Hello? Is this No Frills Gnome? That's us. You're a noble way from home. How can I help you, traveler? Well, I I booked a vacation to the coast. Excellent, excellent. I hope it's all going well. No, it's not going well. Instead of going to the coast, you sent me to the fire plane. Huh. Well, I mean, you can understand the mix-up. Uh, hot, sandy beaches versus hot, hot, hot? What? No, no, no. It is nowhere near the same. Listen, I don't understand why you're so upset. A trip to the fire plane is a major markup for our customers. You just got your trip for 30% less than what other customers would pay to get to the fire plane. You should be thanking me. Mm, Listen, I just want to go home. Well, you know, we can get you home, but I got to tell you that the portal change charges are going to be killer. In this episode of Becoming DM, we continue our deep dive into travel with a discussion about dimensional and time travel. Let's join the conversation already in progress. All right, so let's maybe switch gears a little bit. We've we've been talking about kind of the mechanics of travel a little bit, and now let's get into interdimensional travel. Oh, the fun stuff. Yeah, when we say interdimensional travel, it could be like traveling to another plane. It could be traveling to a completely different environment. Um, I, I know I've talked several times on the show about my my party traveling to post-apocalyptic future Disney uh, Disney World. That's kind of that interdimensional travel because Disney World does not exist in their normal world, just so we're clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's maybe start off with talking about how we, um, how we, how we, interdimensional travel from a from a player's perspective uh, i'll kind of let you kick that off daniel as far as traveling from a um player's perspective there is there's spells um which you know like like most D, you know or tabletop role-playing games the crazy crazy stuff uh that's not really possible usually happens with magic and uh today our magic is plane shift or gate as far as the two spells that I found. Um, but this is uh, D&D 5e. I'm not sure what they are for Pathfinder. Um, but Plane Shift can be used to move willing or unwilling participants. That's right. You can you can, you can can slap that goblin onto the fire plane. <laughs> <laughs> um, they still get a constitution save or something? I think when uh, they get some sort of save um, to not be sent to um, another world... But uh, yeah, is, I'm betting that, that for possible. Pathfinder, that would be maybe the willpower save, possibly. Uh, I don't. Again, I I haven't done a whole lot of uh, plane shifting magics that uh, <laughs> that people have had to make a saving throw against. So yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm kind of like using logic to get there, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the fun part is is that it's all out there. But keep in mind that the spells like plane shift and gate are really high-level spells. They are level 7 and 9, respectively. So they can be really hard to gain access to. Either you've got a really high-level party running around. Well, not really high. I can't remember. I think at level 7 spells, you get at level 13. So it's not crazy high, but it's still, you know, that's... that's that character's I would been say around that that's probably higher than most people typically play their character in a D&D game. Um, mm-hmm. 
not that they can't, but I you see part you see games break apart and stuff like that. So thirteenth level is is a is a rarity for a lot of characters. Absolutely. So that being said, though, if your party isn't isn't at a high enough level to personally be able to cast one of these spells, they can still go find um, some wizard who's down on his luck and just looking for a hundred gold bits, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll send them to the fire plane. <laughs> Yep. So another way that you could look at doing it is by using portals. So if you're like me, I probably overuse portals a little bit just because <laughs> they're easy to put in the game and be like, oh, hey, there's a portal here. I wonder where it goes. Um, uh, but oftentimes, if you're uh, if you're a little bit more formal about it, they can be um, stationary objects that's caused by something. Um, so oftentimes some sort of magical object has some root uh, in the location that it's in or just a, a magical effect of in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. And the nice part about portals, uh, in my experience, is I've never once had a party member say, but how did the portal <laughs> get here? They're just like, sweet, and they hop in. Um, <laughs> uh, but some portals aren't necessarily created by... Um, particular magic users or whatever um some portals can be in areas where two planes um share something extremely similar like the say the heart of a volcano and the fire plane those two areas would intersect on the interplanar map (laughs) there's no interplanar map but they're very similar um and so you can you can easily say that there's a portal to the fire plane in the volcano, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's a fine place to do it because if your party is not willing to go into an active volcano, they shouldn't be willing to go to the fire plane. <laughs> Indeed. Um, <laughs> and, and when you talk about the implementation of portals, there's I, I feel like there's a couple of ways that you could do that. Uh, what most are going to do is that there will be a portal there and the players will have a choice. They can enter the portal or not. And when they get to the other side of the portal, um, it may still be there where they can come back or it may not. Uh, A lot of times it's not because part of the story is them figuring out how to get back to where they need to be Mm -hmm. after making the choice to go through this portal. Um, Additionally, if you you really want to get them transported from one place to another, you could have the portal have some sort of gravitational effect that, um, that pulls the players into it. Um, that that gravitational Ooh. effect could be created by choices that the players made. So it's not completely railroaded. They've made these choices and done these things, and that triggered this thing, which then sucked them into the portal. Um, so there's a couple of ways to approach that as well. It really depends on what you need the portal for and and where it sits in your game and what your players are going to go for too. Mm-hmm. Or if somebody accidentally trips into the portal... Because then, and, and it's a one-way portal, then the rest of your party either A, has to abandon that character to their fate on this, wherever they end up, or choose to go with them. Um, yep. Which could make for some interesting conversation around the table, you know? You're laughing, so I have to ask, have you had a player trip into a portal? Uh, kind of. The The party didn't really <laughs> understand what was happening, um, but it... It was something that I did specifically because I was uh, doing online campaign and it was all done through Discord. And so when this particular party member fell through, I immediately moved them to a different chat channel so they couldn't talk to the rest of the party. 
So nobody <laughs> knew what was happening to him. And uh, it was it was very, very entertaining from my point of view. Uh, very stressful for the party is is a lot of fun. <laughs> One of the things that I always chuckle at with, uh, with the parties that I've run games for, especially when it comes to portals, is they always want to do stuff like, all right, I want to throw this pebble through and see what happens. <laughs> okay, you throw the pebble, pebble through, it disappears. Okay, so I want to stick this stick partway through and then pull it back. <laughs> and so I would say if you're going to use a portal in game, at least using my players as a, as a guidepost, you do kind of have to think about what the behavior might be. So if they put, put a stick in and then try to pull it back out, does it come back out or does it get cut off as soon as it goes through? Interesting mm. questions to have. Uh, but Or if ca- it's a two-way portal, maybe somebody throws a rock at them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So to think about, I, I think it helps to think about some of those mechanics of what's going to happen if the players do these things, because inevitably they're going to do those things. Yeah. Um, you put a, put, a, put something in front of them, they're going to poke it. <laughs> yeah, unless the portal opens and closes very quickly. Um, yeah, they're going to they're gonna mess around with it for a couple minutes. <laughs> yep. So let's talk about the wares of of our inter, interdimensional travel. And as you're probably aware, the party pretty much is going to likely exist in the material plane. So the material plane is, you could say, like our world where there are materials you can touch and feel and, and it's it's nice and doesn't kill us generally. <laughs> but what other kinds? Rate. <laughs> yes. Uh, what other kinds of planes do we have? Uh, so I think the first planes category um, is transitive planes, which combine the astral and the ethereal. Eth- eth- ethereal? Ethereal. I always say ethereal, but I'm not sure if that's that, the right way to say it. That's um, what I say. Okay. Uh, these planes are generally featureless uh, and serve as ways to travel from one plane to another. And so if you kind of think of that, uh, I like to think of it as... Um, when Frodo puts on the ring and everything's kind of like smoky and and not super tangible, that's kind of how I picture them. It's very mm-hmm. ghosty because they're basically yeah. supposed to be lands of nothingness ish. Yep, where you know? your uh, where your stuff in the bag of holding goes when the bag of holding dies. yeah it's just floating around so if you end up stuck on the astral plane you might get hit by a rusty sword that somebody took from a goblin and was planning on selling for a silver (laughs) (laughs) or like 60 swords that they took from a bunch of goblins (laughs) (laughs) just a just an alternate take on uh that gravity movie with sandra bullock it just keeps coming around this whole pack of swords (laughs) oh no um, so those then, are the, yeah, I was gonna say, and then and then we've got um, the inner planes. So when we talk about inner planes, we're talking about earth, wind, water, and fire. Um, earth, wind, and fire. Uh, now we're getting into musical groups or whatever. I, know. Um, I, I already started singing it in my head. Do you? <laughs> um, so these, I these these planes do have. Uh, their characteristics that are similar to the material plane in the fact that uh, in the water plane, obviously you have water, which we do have in the material plane, um, stuff like that. Uh, uh, they do have, uh, to some extent, the four elements commingling. 
and uh, and uh, it just gets uh, the further away from the, like the center of it, it gets more extreme, and that particular uh, element gets more and more on that plane. And did I get that right? I'm not sure if I got that right. <laughs> I, that, yeah, I think so. So basically, it's like it. Every single of the elemental planes has an area that's relatively close to the material plane, but the farther away that you get from that, essentially zone of safety from a material planes dweller's perspective, you know, life is happy here. But the farther away from that place that you get, everything just gets more extreme. So on the fire planet. Um, you know, it gets hotter and hotter and then it's just more and more fire until everything is just fire and the same with wind. Although I guess everything just gets windier, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, it sure is blustery here. Wait till you get over there. <laughs> I don't really get the wind plane, but eh, that's, that's, that's me. You can have a lot of fun with it, though, um, especially on uh, very, very high fantasy adventures. Maybe they bring a Zeppelin with them to the wind plane, um, stuff like that. But the the thing with those is is that as much as closer to the center, you're you're kind of close to the material plane. If you, well, close to similarities anyways. Um, and when you get farther away, yes, all the elements get really extreme and you can go far enough away that everything just turns into pure energy and elemental chaos. And so there comes a point where you're past the fire in the fire plane and you're just in what I can only presume is a soup of of high velocity electrons or something that are just vibrating <laughs> with heat. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go there because, I mean, if everything is like that, chances are you will become like that. Um, if you make it that way, that far, anyways, you got to get through some pretty serious fire damage to even get there. <laughs> right. And also fire beasties that like fire and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. you'll There's find tons that kind of stuff. of stuff there too. Plenty to kill your party in the fire plane. Um, so I'm then sorry. we've got... The yeah. outer planes, right? Um, and this is kind of where, if you're thinking about deities, it's where they live. Um, so you'll have stuff like the nine hells and the 16 planes of the eight alignments. I don't know why you don't have 16 planes of si 16 alignments, but hey, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's <right. laughs> you got to laugh sometimes. Um, <laughs> um, but... Uh, but yeah, this is like if if you had a a party who had a goal to kill a god, um, they may end up in the outer planes, right? Yep, that would basically be where they want to go. Well, that's that's yeah, I'm going to rephrase that. That might be where they need to go. It's probably mm. not going to be where they want to go, um, <laughs> because the fun part about being in the outer planes is that you're on the god's home turf, which is so much worse than them being on the material plane because they have absolute control over their area, whatever you want, their, their, their realm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they can just, the, the, the entire plane can be shifted at a whim to whatever the deity that lives there is like, Oh, you know what would be really sweet if, if, Everything was had wind gusts at 160 miles per hour. That would be fun. And it just happens, 
right? And your party just has to deal with that. So I think a lot of that can fall to just feeling really railroady because you can, mm-hmm. you well, you just do whatever you want. And it's not a good turf to fight a god on. Like, you're already fighting a god, a deity. Um, yes. Yeah, so... <laughs> Quick question for you. I have not, but have you ever had a party that's that's spent a lot of time in the Outer Plains? No, I never have. It just seems like, I mean, as much as like getting onto the fire plane would be like really chaotic, I just, I've just always felt that going after a deity, like, I challenge you to a duel. It just seems like a really bad plan. And so I've just never done it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I feel like some of the definition of the Outer Plains is there because eventually somebody's going to say, if it's got hit points, I'm going to kill it um, kind of thing. And, and and they do have gods that have hit points. So, yeah, it, it, and, and if you're going to do that, then you need to have a place that you can find them. So thus you have the Outer Plains. I think that for a lot of games, this is probably not going to be used um, as, as part of the game, to be honest. That's yeah. my my kind of view of it. Now, there's, there are some things that you could do that are less um, hostile towards gods where you might have to go and visit the Outer Plains to to request something from the gods or, or warn the gods of something going on that they might not be aware of, in which case, yeah, have at it. And then you can you can do things that uh, that provide challenges um, and try not to be too railroady. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to... Yeah, that's and that's the problem with it being completely whimsical. Um, it can get pretty extreme up there, but I like the it. it I like the idea of not going up there to try and kill a god because that's that's probably something that you would only really want to do if you were playing like an epic level campaign, which yeah. all of your parties are over level twenty, possibly over level thirty, and that's the only way that they can you know get together and and go and kick kick this guy's butt. Um, uh but yeah so even if even traveling on on the god's planes right on the outer planes um they have control over the distance too so if your party looks over and it's like that that sofa you want to sit on is 40 feet away they can start walking to it and it can take them three days to get there Uh because it's none of it's relative it's all just nonsense and that's that's why i've never really gone to the outer planes um, you'd need to have a very good plan to do it, I guess. And as a DM, I think you have to have a really defined plan of how you're going to handle it because, um, if the party is very averse to the whole railroading thing, you need to kind of have written down defined rules of how the plane is going to interact with them so that mm-hmm. when they get there and do things, it's already defined. You're not railroading them. You are you are providing reactions to their actions uh, more than anything else. Yeah, you would definitely want to have yourself a very concrete idea of this very malleable place um, to, to kind of bring it all together, I think. Um, for me, yeah. I would definitely do that. And then we get into demi planes. These are the um, best planes. The best planes. The best um, planes. <laughs> uh, so these are kind of like extra dimensional space that doesn't really fit anywhere um, uh, above because they have kind of their own sets of rules and stuff like that. Uh, 
so do you have I'll, I'll ask you the same question i've been asking all along do you have demi planes that you've used in games oh demi planes you can you could slap them in anywhere that's like that's like that's like a band-aid you can put them wherever you want <laughs> with whatever rules you want it just doesn't matter you're like you know what would be really cool a place that had no gravity but was only 40 feet by 40 feet and inside of a thumbtack you know <laughs> it's like boom demi plane you got it uh <laughs> <laughs> uh demi planes are my best friend as far as interplanar travel goes um which is i usually use demi planes because i don't i don't really do the most of the rest of them the astral and ethereal just kind of seem a little bit blase all the wind i don't know um but i use demi planes if i want to create an extra dimensional space um something that's somewhere that doesn't make sense for it to be because it's, there's so it's so big, you know, they open a door and there's 56 rooms in this two bedroom hut. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? That's a demi plane. You just made one. It's uh, extra dimensional space. It doesn't fit into any of the other planes that we just discussed, which are outstanding, well-known planes. This is just stuff you kind of made up on your own and they made their own little title for it. It's a demi plane. You put that wherever you want. Yeah, so I kind of look at um, if you have looked through the uh, the Candlekeep Candlekeep Mysteries book that uh, that uh, was released for D anD. Um, I think the first mystery has some demi plane kind of stuff there with this mansion that was built in an uh, extra extra dimensional space. So um, while the 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 rules of interaction there were still pretty pretty material plane like, it was in this extra dimensional space. So could consider that a, a demiplane in that in that case. Yeah, because it's its own little pocket of reality. And yep. because it's its own little pocket, again, it can have its own rules, like I said, with the gravity. Um, but it can also mimic some of the other planes. Um, you can really do whatever you want with it. Do you like quests? If so, I have good news for you. Darkwind, the sponsor of this episode of Becoming DM, is full of quests for your character to pursue. Whether it's finding the components to make a potion, dealing with the town bully, assembling an ancient artifact, or just finding a collar for the local stray, there are a lot of quests to check out. And they're all ranked by level, so you know what you're getting into before you start off. You can play Darkwind and check out all of the quests for free. Just go to play.darkwind.org to start your character today. Now let's get back to the show. All right. I think we've uh, we've talked about planar travel, dimensional travel, all that fun stuff. Let's move on to the big honkin' time travel. Time travel. Time travel is, or was, or is going to have been confusing. (laughs) I laughed when I read that. I read that quote from uh, uh, a time travel document I found on WordPress uh, for 5e, and I I laughed. I had to include it. Um, Uh, Yeah, time travel. And it can get confusing. If you want to do time travel, um, the first thing that people are going to ask about is paradoxes, because that's that's this big thing with time travel is paradoxes. There's lots of them. Um, Yeah. So if 
to to think about it, if you think about I, it, when when people I have uh, trouble wrapping their head around time travel and paradoxes, I always like to go back to the '80s and go back to the future uh, <laughs> when when. Marty travels back in a time traveling DeLorean and he does things that change the future and 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 those things um have an effect on when he goes back to his own time. So um I I always kind of go back to that when I might be having trouble thinking like, well, what happens if this happens? What happens if this happens? Oh, my brother and sister <laughs> are disappearing from my photo. They must be going out from existence. I need to stop that kind of yeah. thing. Um so yeah, avoiding paradoxes is is huge when you uh when you do time travel right Mm -hmm. yeah and you need you need to determine before you set out on any sort of backwards time travel adventure what you're going to do about the various paradoxes because you you it's D or pathfinder you can make rules that just circumvent a paradox you can literally solve any problem on your earth by just saying (laughs) i will this rule away Um, But you you do need to think about it and determine what you're going to do about them. So like the butterfly effect, if they go back in time and they leave an iron sword in in this brass civilization or whatever, how much is that going to affect, you know, the future that they're going back to? You got some thinking to do (laughs) if you want to do time travel. Yeah, because there's there's all sorts of things that, that could happen. Um and it really, I think that the biggest advice, biggest piece of advice that we could give you for for this is is that you need to plan. You need to uh, you need to plan. You need to think about your environment, think about what's going on, where they're going to, and you need to plan some more around that. And and <laughs> and think of the most outlandish thing that you might do in going back in time, and then double it and try and figure out a way around it. <laughs> Yeah, because that's, that's what the players are going to do. They're going to double whatever you think uh, might be bad. <laughs> yeah, you're like, worst case scenario. And then, oh, there was this whole other level I never saw before. How cool. Um, <laughs> but you could also railroad people away from paradoxes. If if you really want to do a time travel thing, um, but you don't, you don't have time to maybe do all this planning, you could railroad. It is an option. Um, you could make restraints have something to do with the fabric of time starts falling apart if they're not doing what they're supposed to. But again, you're taking away player agency at that time. Um, and that's, I, I've just never been a big fan of that. Um, well, a good, along those lines, you could yeah. basically, before they time travel, have something that, that denotes like there are certain events that are set in stone, kind of like they do in, in, in Doctor Who, where if you try to change it, you can't change it, or you might prevent something like in this moment, but it'll still happen a moment later, just a different way. So um, that's one of the things that you could, but if you're going to do that, I would I would probably have some seeding of, of knowledge there that, hey, by the way, if you do this, um, you're not going to be able to change major events because of this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. You, so it's a it's a way to kind of railroad, but not railroad because the players kind of know that this is this is not possible to assassinate Hitler or whatever. Um, obviously, probably not Hitler in your game, but unless you're playing a modern game, um, yeah, whatever that may be. Yeah, uh, if you're going to go back in time, the easiest thing. To, so the less time they spend in the close relevant past, the easier that this whole thing is going to be. 
So yeah. if you are sending them back to next Tuesday, um, or, or sorry, just the Tuesday, Tuesday. before, last Tuesday, <laughs> last, if you send them back to last Tuesday, um, the things that they do on that day are going to be very easily impacted to their current day, right, when they come back. But if you send them back to 60,000 years ago, well, the, the, you know, that's probably not going to have that big of an effect or not that big of an effect that they will be able to notice, right? It's like, yeah, yes, this animal thing. that you killed the last of didn't evolve like this. There's now no more pandas, you know, but it's it's going to be mostly irrelevant. So the less time they well, spend in the close, yeah. And, and if you send them that far back, then you could make the justification that whatever they did had already been done because they went back there. And so the, the existence that they're living right now already has the impacts of those choices that they made. Again, we're getting into mm-hmm. this weird paradox thing yeah. and, and like <laughs> ex- explaining it. But, but going 65,000 years back, you don't know that the choice that you make is going to go down these 19 different paths to get to where you're at. So you could very easily make that justification. Yeah, you made the change, but that's what you got you to where you already were. <laughs> yeah, that's the change you made that many years ago. That's the 16th time your character's done it. Mew, mew, mew. Yep. The other way that you could potentially deal with the paradoxes is is do like a Groundhog Day moment where where they go back in time and they get stuck in kind of a time loop where they have to do things a certain way in order to get out of the time loop. Um, Now, if you're doing this, I don't recommend having it be super, super niche details that they have to get every single detail right. There needs to be some sway or the players are just going to be like, I'm not going to remember all these things. I give up. Um, So... (laughs) You, you you need to, to structure it in a way where, yes, anything that might cause a paradox might cause the, the, the day to reset again. But if they go a, a field one way or the other, it's still going to be fine. So that's one way one way you can do it. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice, easy way to kind of avoid the paradoxes. Plus, you get to add in that Groundhog's Day thing, um, yeah, which is, I think it's a fun thing that people like to do every once in a while is uh, throw in one of those. Um, But you could have time travel also be space travel so that they're in a location that wouldn't have a direct effect on their future selves. And I would be super interested to see what a barbarian does in space. It's like, like, ugh, you're on a spaceship. (laughs) Everybody's well, got lasers. And, and, what are you going to do? And space travel could could not could mean something other than like outer space. It could just mean you're geographically located oh. on the other side of the planet that you've never interacted with. And that so, is so your much actions less interesting there, than a barbarian yeah, know, on a spaceship. I know. <laughs> um, well, I mean, go go play uh, Starfinder. Then you can get. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can get a barbarian in a spaceship there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then finally, you could just roll with the paradoxes. They they do these things that make a significant change in the future. But when they go back home, um, those actions have changed the world that they live in. Um, so you could the the change could be something as simple as like people don't know who they are anymore, mm-hmm. or a complete change of the the power structure of their society. Um, um, Biff owns the town or whatever, going back to back to the future, <laughs> whatever it may be. But I, I would say that the bigger the change, the bigger you have to think 
uh, what the change back home is going to be. So spend some time understanding what those uh, ramifications are, plan out paths that it might go when they make those choices so that when they get back, you can really kind of throw them for a loop with how different everything is. You don't even necessarily need to pre-plan those because you could just take notes as your party is gallivanting about the past. And then when they do eventually teleport back to the future, just call session end or whatever. And then yep. you've got your, your one week or, or however long it is between your sessions to go through your notes and be like, oh, okay, so they killed so-and-so and that changed this and they did this. And so that changed that. And you can rework everything in the one week that you have or two oh, weeks. Oh yeah, absolutely. When I, when I said plan, I wasn't referring to plan out all the different possibilities. I was talking about like, understand what they did. Do exactly what you said. Take some notes and then in between plan what's going to happen because you do need to take some thought once they've taken those actions, but you don't have to like do a bunch of pre-planning before they go back in time. Just let them create havoc and then create havoc back on them. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, uh, it's vengeance. (laughs) Uh, The other thing you could do is uh, restricting time travel to go to the future, right? Yeah, and then then most of your paradoxical problems are just gone, right? It doesn't matter what they do in the future because they're going back to the past. So you can't really... Well, I mean, I'm sure that there's a paradox out there. I'm not... I didn't look into future travel as far as paradoxes go. Um, But it's a lot easier to mitigate those problems. You know, it's like you went into the future and killed somebody who is not yet born. Doesn't really seem like that much of a problem (laughs) to me. And that might even have some alignment implications for, say, your paladin. It's like, is it really a bad thing that I'm doing if this person doesn't exist yet, Yeah. but does right now? <laughs> so maybe. Is my god looking at me now? <laughs> Can they see me in the future? <laughs> does it matter? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can get into some neat little ethical conundrums there of, <laughs> of justifying killing that person, stuff like that. Uh, the one thing that could be a challenge with, with allowing travel to the future is obviously, depending upon how far into the future they go, they could bring, just like if you're traveling back to the past and you're bringing back stuff with you, you mm-hmm. could bring stuff back from the future to the present and give you godlike powers. Um you go and find this repeating Gatlin laser gun and, and come back to where where maybe in your world you don't even have pistols and you just mow everybody down that gets in your way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and honestly, if you if the players do something like that, um, you might just let them have fun for a little bit. Yeah, because then- eventually that Gatlin laser gun is going to run out of power. Exactly. I was just going to say that. It needs to be recharged eventually, so maybe let them have it and have them cause havoc in some poor, unsuspecting village or wherever your party ends up. And then, yeah, it just is going to die, and then they just have a shiny piece of rock. Yep. So... I I I think that I think that there's a lot of ways to handle the issues that come from going to the future. Um, there's also the other issue you need to kind of think about is is the knowledge gained. So I I know that I know that choices made can change what the future is. But if you go to the future and you understand that these major events are going to happen, what does the player do with that when they get back? Do they try to 
take advantage of that knowledge? Do they try to do good with that knowledge? Whatever it is, you need to understand um, the knowledge that they gain in the future. Uh, what what their actions when they get back home do that might change what those end results might be. Again, it's it's really planning for the um, the 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 whole butterfly effect. What 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 actions the players take are going to affect the knowledge that they gain in the future and all that stuff. Um, again, interesting yeah. interesting questions to consider. It, it it can get really complicated if you let it. Yeah, it already is. I keep thinking about the things that we're saying, and I, I'm getting lost in my own little thought train. So I'm like, oh, yeah, and then you could do this, and then that would, but then, and now, and it's like, <laughs> this is why you got to write stuff down if you're going to plan time travel. Um, but, like, when I, 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 I'm doing a time travel campaign right now with my party, and before I started it, I went to forums, and I, I, I posed the question. I said, does anybody have any advice for doing time travel in your campaign? And the resounding answer from, it had to be at least 90% of participants in the comments said, do not time travel in your campaign. Do not do it. Don't touch it. Um, And I thought, well, I'm going to do it anyways. And so I ran off and I did my own thing. Um, And so there was this resounding clamor to just not touch this thing and i did it anyways and it has been a lot of fun it's been really exciting it's got it's got stuff going on there's some complexities to it um don't shy away from it just because a lot of people are saying you know it's it takes too much or it's too difficult or it's too dangerous uh it can be really fun and exciting and rewarding for everybody to you know hop around in time and uh, kind of do some crazy stuff. Just you have to play it safe and plan ahead and uh, try to anticipate what is going to go wrong because it's going to. And it's still fun, though. Yeah. And, and one thing to keep in mind is the type of group that you're DMing for can really change a lot of the answers for this. Because we've been ca- talking like most of the groups are, are fairly um, fairly straightforward, fairly serious players of role-playing games but if you've got a goofy group that goofs around a lot and makes jokes then the time travel thing can be (laughs) hilarious as they start trotting out uh quotes from quotes from uh from movies and stuff like that i i think i think about like like space balls when will then be now soon (laughs) (laughs) um but uh, i mean if you ha- if you have kind of a goofball group, it can be it can add a lot of uh, a lot of comedic relief in there as you as you kind of have these discussions about now versus then versus now now versus the future the past and all all that all the language that can get messed up when when trying to to tie all of these uh, things together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think is that all we were going to talk about today. I think so. I think we that... covered all the planes of existence. We uh, we had a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for joining us for these two episodes about travel. We hope that you got something from this that you're able to use in your game. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, but until then, stay, stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. Stay friends.
Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are Becoming DM. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.